So believe it or not, I actually did a little bit of preparatory research for this episode. Okay. And by that, I mean in the like 15 minutes before we started recording, I sure. did this, so, <laughs> which is still more preparation than I have done for a lot. But because the... So we, we usually will kind of like start our, our episodes we'll we'll read the like memory alpha has some little like one sentence synopses of of what happened in episodes but every now and then i will notice on at least if you watch on netflix like when you pick the episode or when you pause the episode it'll have their own little kind of one-liner mm-hmm. and i'm always a little <laughs> amused by them so the netflix tagline for this one is Riker, data crusher and other crew members are helping set up a colony on an earth-like planet when they are hit by an electrical storm <laughs> which <laughs> is that's not like, even not, true first of all yeah not even true like not even accurate and not not at all what the episode is about which make made me start wondering Do if people like these netflix the ones episodes? are just if there's like some you know intern or someone whose job is to just watch like enough of the episode to so at first i thought they only watched the like sort of the the part that plays before the intro credits roll yeah and they just like which i thought would be a very like if we ever want to do another concept podcast a very interesting way to watch a television series is like only seeing the the cold opens and like trying to piece together what's happening yeah so i went through i actually like went through the last like few episodes that we've done to see if like i could figure out if that that kind of holds up and it's not exactly that but i I still think they probably just watched like enough of the very beginning of the episode to be able to come up with something so Mm -hmm. so the last one we did brothers the one with uh, like Data and Nunyan Soong, is after an accident aboard the Enterprise leaves one of its children in danger, Data commandeers the ship and charts a course to an unknown destination. Well, that one works because I, I, I feel like maybe the goal is not to spoil. Not to like spoil anything. Where he's going. That's, that's probably also true, yeah. Um, and that one is like, goes a little beyond the credits so the credits for that one play like right as Data kind of like starts acting strange and walks onto the bridge, but... Mm. But before he's actually like done any commandeering. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. The the Enterprise when we did Strange New World, where they go down to the the like hallucinogenic planet, mm-hmm. um, is that that one they got a little poetic on. They're like, human curiosity speaks louder than Vulcan logic. Despite T'Pol's objection, Archer sends a team to explore a planet before learning of its properties. Which again, I feel is like a pretty accurate description of that episode. Yeah, but it also could have been written from like watching the first ten minutes, like. Yeah, yeah, that one also, again, like, even before the credits, like, that's what happens. Yeah, that's just all that happens, basically. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that is also just the whole episode. Uh, the So the next one going back was Survival Instinct, which is the Voyager one, where there's, like, the three Borg that used to be in a squad yeah. with Seven of Nine. Yeah. Um, and that one, so they're, they're, uh, that one is eager for cultural exchange and a friendly contact at a space outpost. Janeway grants shore leave to her crew and <laughs> rolls out the welcome mat for visitors. <laughs> that Which, one again, cl- clearly just this happens, but yeah. is not at all what the episode is about. Yeah. Um, interestingly, even, that one. That isn't, isn't even how, like, like, don't we, we see the Borg people in the cold open even? So, like, that doesn't even Yeah, so that one, the cold, the cold open. open is actually like a flashback. Like it, it starts with oh that's right that's right that's with right, a flashback yeah. to like seven of nine and these other people crash landing on this planet mm-hmm. and then I think right when we come out of the credits we come to like Janeway being like all of these people are overrunning our ship and yeah we have a tree that attacks my hair yeah yeah so. I, that's that's interesting it's funny you said that too because I also watched them on Netflix and I am actually currently engaged in my own uh, watching Star Trek on Netflix project that i will bring to the podcast when the time is right but i 
I'm All still right. I'm still conducting a real time research. So okay, good to know. <laughs> Hi everybody, and welcome to Out of Contracts, the show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard, and I'm Brady Jungle. And today we are talking about the episode Silicon Avatar, which is uh, Next Generation Season 5, Episode 4, directed by Cliff Boyle and written by Jerry Taylor and Lawrence V. Conley. The uh, Memory Alpha synopsis of this episode is, The Enterprise gives chase to the crystalline entity after it destroys a Federation colony. A xenologist, who has a motivation all her own with respect to the crystalline entity, is assigned to the Enterprise to assist in investigations. I didn't really remember this one very much at all uh did you um not really i mean i even i was like trying to as we were watching i was trying to remember how kind of like the whole because and it's probably a good thing that we again entirely unintentionally watched this one right after the the, the other oh, another yeah. sort of data heavy episode where they they do reference i think a couple times in in brothers that kind of what the crystalline like i remember when they brought it up in Brothers, I was like, oh, yeah, there is a crystalline entity. But, like, don't remember that story, which I assume is mostly what data lore is about. Yeah, um, I, I, I remember that. Like, I remember basically that they just talk about how lore made a deal with the crystalline entity to sell out the colonists and kill all of them. And that's, I think, the only other yeah. time we've seen the crystalline entity. But they've mentioned it multiple times because they talk about, you know, that, that place. And, yeah, you're right. They talk about it in Brothers, too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was trying to remember, and I could not remember it, and then I was very surprised by the end, like, how the end of the episode plays out, because... Oh, yeah. Kind of a dark episode for a TNG, for a TNG outing, I think. Yeah, I feel like it really is. I ended up liking it, though. Like, it wasn't, like, an all-timer or anything, but I was like, oh, that was good. Yeah, I, no, I it was, watching yeah, it, it was, the story, I think, was, was well done. All right, well, take, uh, take us in. Let's let's talk about it. Yeah. So this the episode as as Netflix told us starts with um, Riker and Data and I, Crusher is also there. I think it's her only scene in the episode. But um, oh yeah. Apparently, but uh, but basically there's there's a colony that's a Federation colony is being formed and the Enterprise has been like helping them you know bring bring supplies and helping them start this colony on this planet and uh, Riker is uh, hitting on one of the one of the colonists. <laughs> and then suddenly, like the skies grow dark, and we see this. Um, I think what, I, and this was the thing with this episode is I I don't know how much sense this would make or is supposed to make if you hadn't seen the like data centric episodes before to know what the crystalline entity is because we see this um, actually like I would say for 1991 like pretty impressive CGI. Yeah, for a TV show, yeah. You know, kind of like branching floating structure that appears in the sky and starts just wiping out all life on this planet and so the uh Riker kind of herds the colonists into they run and they hide in in a cave but while they're running the the colonists that he had been that I I couldn't tell I think they had some history I couldn't tell if like they were just flirting at this like one moment or if they had been sort of like had a relationship already yeah I'm not sure I'm not sure but basically this you know this other character that had been introduced at the beginning that Riker was was talking to you know goes back to save an old man that's fallen down and they both get killed by the crystalline and like a wave of energy kind of rushes over and they are just completely gone yeah it's 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 an interesting opening sequence because it makes you think that the episode is going to be about Riker and then it's not yeah <laughs> it's and then he has, yeah 
it there's there's like one other scene that kind of like like there, the, there's a couple times that they'll kind of like go back to him through the rest of the episode but yeah but it's, he's not really the focus um and yeah and so then they hide in this cave and are eventually rescued by the enterprise after the crystalline entity leaves mm-hmm. and so they t- um, yeah you know i was i was wrote this down too because you you're you were saying this earlier that like they you wonder how much this would make sense. Because I was surprised that they really take their sweet time explaining what the crystalline entity is, like, at all. like Or, or like, the, how, how data is associated with it. Yeah. It was, it was a thing where it's, like, it's it's so odd because they would do that, like, very, very occasionally on that show. And it's, it's so odd to me that they would do that on... TNG in particular because it's the least serialized one of the of the like the 90s 2000 shows sort of I think silver of age yeah and it's and it and also it's like you know this is like pre DVDs and you know most of the time people were just watching it on TV and it, it's so it's always like it always strikes me when they're like oh yeah you'll remember Picard's girlfriend from that from from the Captain's Holiday episode when she comes back like you totally everyone right. everyone's on board with who Vash is you know or, yeah. whereas like you know something something like you know ds9 or or voyager it's kind of like well we we're serializing this to a degree so like you you know you have to know Whereas, yeah like, like if, if seska shows back up you're just like okay well mm-hmm. I, I know like all the ground we've covered with seska up to this point seska turns bad real quick by the way i was I, i'm done season one of voyager already and she's she's already oh really revealed herself to be a cardassian which i was i didn't realize it was that quick but uh, yeah i guess i didn't i remembered it dragging on longer that's pretty yeah Ooh, excuse me sorry yeah it's pretty it's anyway go, uh yeah I, yeah, I wrote down that, and I, I wanted to. But talk yeah, about especially because again, as the episode goes on, they I think do more like talking about the crystalline entity. But but I feel like especially the opening kind of like you're supposed to recognize what this thing is when it appears in the sky and sort of the implication of it. And it hasn't been on the show for four years. Like that's that's the other thing yeah. too. It's like it's it was last on the show in season one. But yeah, anyway. But yeah, but we find out that this is this this thing that moves through space, basically just kind of consuming every living thing in its path. Like it'll go to a planet and just leave that planet completely barren and lifeless and turn all of the life on that planet into like energy for itself. And this is the same thing that destroyed the the colony where Data was like lived or was was created um, before Starfleet rescued him and is kind of caused like similarly destroyed a number of other colonies and so they're joined by dr kyla marr who is played by ellen gear yeah um and she's basically a scientist who's kind of her life's work is like studying the crystalline entity and trying to find out about it and she investigates the planet and kind of interviews the people that survived because these are the first people ever to survive a, a like an encounter with the crystalline entity Every, everywhere else it's gone there's been no life at all and they've all been wiped out mm-hmm. um, i i called what her deal was immediately <laughs> even though i didn't remember the episode i was just like you know as soon as she, oh, kind she has of, like, like some give, like personal vendetta against it because yeah as, as soon as she kind of like starts to look askance at data i was like oh, okay she's she she has a relative that was on that colony or something you know? yeah, yeah or at least like she has a relative that was killed by the the crystal entity at the very least 
Which she does. So we find out that her son was on the same colony as Data. And so it, at first she's very suspicious of Data because now this is the second time that the crystalline entity has attacked somewhere where he was and he survived. And so she thinks that he may have been responsible for it. But D- Data doesn't know why it happened, but he thinks it's because of like some some metals that were in the in the cave. And she keeps on saying, like, ah, that's probably not what it is. Like, yeah, like, like people know. have hidden in caves before and like one of them had one of these metals do they ever actually explain they never say exactly what happened no like why these people survived in in this cave because i feel like she keeps giving reasons why they shouldn't have and then yeah i don't think they ever actually say ever fully explain but the crystal energy doesn't tell them no it doesn't tell them why and so so they end up finding sort of some thing, some trace that they can use that the crystalline entity leaves behind that allows them to sort of follow it and track it. And so they set off chasing this. And meanwhile, you know, most of the episode is taken up with, with her interactions with Data. Yeah. And so, so then as the Doctor and Data are working together to find out more about the the crystalline entity uh, one of the things that she discovers is that and i i don't know if this is a like a new revelation or is this something that's been information before but that the data has essentially within his programming dr soong put kind of all the records of this colony including like personal records of the other colonists and i think even some of the like memories of the colonists in this in omicron theta in the colony yeah, I can't, I'm not sure if they... I think they have mentioned that before, but I don't, I'm not 100% sure. And so so she finds out that Data actually like has sort of like some personal logs of her son and even a little bit of her son's memories within him. And so essentially starts like asking Data to, to like read her some of his son, her son's logs or say like, you know, did my son ever talk about me or what, what did he think about these things? Um, and kind of, uh, you can tell that she, like the same reason that she kind of is pursuing the crystalline entity is has developed this sort of degree of like obsession or fixation and, and similarly like becomes very attached to data because he is sort of her only connection to her her son yeah they, i think alan gear does a really good job in like this like that i think the scene because did you say that like he when he when she has data recall these memories like he she has him talk in the in her son's voice yeah and, yeah and it's very disturbing like it's 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 like you get this like very kind of like doomed like this is not healthy <laughs> thing like going yeah. going on there i think and yeah and i think she does a really good job of like kind of portraying like this sort of guilt and desperation and and ultimately like you know this conflict when she when she still kind of feels like i feel like she doesn't totally trust data but she also views him as yeah his her only link like you were saying to her to her kid and i think that she plays that pretty well yeah she really does yeah that this is something that like kind of she is sort of trying to like she feels i think she feels a little bit responsible for because she talks about how she had she had left him on this colony like she had had to go for her work and so she you know left him to stay with some family friends that were on this colony and so she wasn't there and he was and so she feels like in some way i I think kind of internalizes the responsibility for for that and for why he died and so is trying to do something that will set it right and so by either like destroying the crystalline entity or by kind of like feeling like she is bringing him back and able to like communicate with him again through using data as like a, a substitute 
Mm-hmm. And, and she's so focused on destroying the crystal entity, but you know, meanwhile, like the people on the Enterprise are trying to say, well, if we could just talk to it. Yeah, Picard especially. So there's there's a like she kind of meets with Picard, and then Riker has a a similar scene with Picard later on. But she meets with Picard, and she's like, we have to like find the crystalline entity so that we can destroy it, so it can't kill anybody. And Picard is asks her to like see if kind of working with data if they can find a way to potentially communicate it because kind of Picard and sort of you know the Federation ideal is that if this is a sentient being that is you know that we shouldn't like to just destroy it would be tantamount to murder without any attempt to interact with it or talk to it or kind of like find out what it is doing and what it wants and the and she kind of can't get over the just that you know like she views it as evil because it's killed so many people and potentially Mm -hmm. will kill more people and it just has to be destroyed i like i like picard's metaphor where he says you know a cuttlefish so it's about about it's talking about a whale that uh, a sperm whale like eating krill and stuff and and how you know to the to something like the crystal entity humans maybe feel like krill and if the you know if the krill could get the whale's attention then maybe things wouldn't work out that way and i I thought that was like a a cool like a a good analogy for kind of like the terms of scale that exist on earth but then you would think would also exist like beyond earth but and and then also it made me think about i was like oh is he talking about a species of whale that was extinct and then was brought back in star trek 4 but it's not because those are i think those whales. are humpback whales yeah they? so yeah. i was but I, that would have been a shame yeah it been a great you could have you said humpbacks i mean i, I think humpbacks yeah. eat krill too don't they but anyway i think so yeah yeah because i feel like that yeah because I, I like the way he says that you know like it it results in the death of like tens of thousands but it is not an evil thing like it's not malevolent or evil it is just like doing kind of what is in its nature and surviving so kind of yeah very much takes the like philosophical like who are we to decide that kind of like this thing is doing something good or bad when it made it's just going about or like yeah which is Mm -hmm. an interesting question of like because i guess you get into like what is right like all sorts of living things exist and survive by like in some way the death of other living things so like which you know who gets to decide like what is right and wrong of yeah but at, at the same time though like, i don't i don't know that picard would say that he would never want to kill the crystal entity if yeah if, like, that's I what think it came it, down to it's like he's just kind of saying like well can we just see if we can talk to it first and then maybe this is all a huge misunderstanding you know <laughs> sure like he doesn't even realize sure. what he's doing if we can, and, yeah maybe it, like yeah. it doesn't realize that humans are like sentient and if it did it would be like oh well i'll just you know go I'll to go uninhabited planets suck or, on a star or something you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah or it's also possible, I think, I think he also allows for the possibility that if this thing is really, like, he just wants to know if it is sort of sentient or, you know, kind of, if, if it's just a, like, thing that is moving through in a path of destruction, right? Like, if, if a comet were about to strike a planet, you would destroy the comet and not feel bad about it. Like, if this was not a kind of thing that had its own, like, sentience and self-awareness, but if this is a thing that can be communicated with and, like, has its own sentience, then it's a whole different question about just yeah. go, just destroying it without at least trying to talk to it first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we do get sort of a shorter scene where Riker talks to Picard, and we see that, you know, Riker is kind of, you know, is being very, like, professional about all of it but you can tell that like he has been he does have some kind of personal feelings that he's similarly going through not to the same extent 
that, that Dr. Marr is, but because he had this kind of personal relationship with one of the colonists that died, um, that he also is, is leaning more towards, he wants to destroy the entity and he you know um and picard kind of questions like does he just want revenge or is is it really a um is it is he just trying to like kind of protect people in the future Mm -hmm. and then that's i think the last like that we see of Riker, kind of his whole like you said you you kind of assume that this will be about like how this kind of personally affects Riker and how he processes it and it's sort of referenced this one time and then yeah, it's more about data and the and the guest star and the doctor. Yeah, and so, so eventually they figure out they do some science and they figure out they can use a graviton pulse to talk to the uh, to the entity, which they said, which it's it noted on um, on memory alpha is not how lore lore communicates it with it over subspace somehow. So hmm. oh, um, there are multiple ways, I guess, to talk. to Yeah, I guess that's true. Is he is he would have like it must have been possible to communicate it if he because they talk about him. Like, it's not just that he, like, attracted it to the colonists, but he actually, like, they make it sound like he, like, made a deal with it. Mm-hmm. So so presumably it is able to, like, have kind of higher order interaction and communication back and forth. Mm-hmm. And so they, they end up catching up to the crystalline entity and they send out this, this pulse and start to get, like, some sort of reply as well. Like, the crystalline entity sends something back. And so they're like, well, it's going to take us some time to sort of process and interpret this and kind of figure out if it's you know, if it is trying to communicate back and like, how do we understand what it's trying to say? Mm-hmm. Um, and then over at her computer station, the doctor starts doing some things and essentially like ramps up the intensity of these gravitons that they're sending out to cause, to sort of be like so, so intense that it causes the crystalline entity to kind of resonate and then eventually just, just shatter and, and cease to exist. Yeah, it's like people, it's like, you know, those people who can sing, so, like, it's a, like a pitch to make a glass shatter. Yeah, I think it's a similar, there's, like, a, like, resonant frequency that she's figured out, and so she just stands there kind of, like, creepily smiling and watching this thing be, be fully <laughs> destroyed. Yeah, and, um, and it's one of those things where it's, like, they're kind of, like, well, turn it off, and then... Jordy's like, I can't, sorry. And it's like, R- really? You, you can't? Like, yeah, there's like nothing we can do. It's like, you you, she locked us out. You can't say like, uh, you know, access Picard protocol alpha or whatever. You know, the thing that he says right, that he right. needs to control the ship. It's like, that's not, you know, we just. Yeah, it is kind of a weird climax where they all just are like standing there kind of like sort of wa- just like watching it happen and being like, no, stop. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that shouldn't, that should, this shouldn't be happening. And like, she's just standing there and like, clearly she is the one that did it. And like, yeah, no but- one's doing anything to her. Yeah, it's like, like it's t- like telling her like no, like go, turn it back right now, or like arguing with her, and then kind of as soon as it's done, he just tell like Picard just tells Worf like take her back to her room. Yeah, and yeah, I feel like there's not not the degree of like reaction or attempts to kind of like overpower what she did. Yeah, it's like you know I get it, I get that you know you have to. I get what they were trying to do, but it's just, it's just yeah. kind of funny that like they really can't turn on like like that just like one person who doesn't even work on the ship is just like standing on a console and can like make the ship kill a giant thing without anyone doing like no, without anyone I, like like in a process that takes yeah. like Including several the, seconds, you know. The captain of the ship can. Yeah, but still, you know, it, it's yeah. it's for dramatic effect, and, and and then I think you know she that that and like kind of like it, when that happens, you see that she is really kind of lost it a little bit because she turns to to data and says it's for you rennie i did it for you because rennie is the name of her son who who died and so you know she's just basically like for all her high-minded stuff it's like really she mostly just did it for revenge you know yeah 
and then when they go they go back to her quarters and she actually asks data to like use her son's voice and tell her that like she did the right thing and that he's like feels avenged and justified yeah um, and that, then da- that ending is so it's just so brutal like <laughs> yeah yeah because data tells her like based on like the records that i can like review about your son i think that he you know he was someone that was very interested in science and like he would have actually been very sad that this that you like destroyed this unique being well and Um, and because she she ruins her career and so he says like he was proud of your career and so he would be disappointed about that too yeah and like the last the last thing he says is you say you did it for him but i do not believe he would have wanted that yes i believe your son would be very sad now i'm sorry doctor but i cannot help you (laughs) end of episode (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) which is just cuts back to like her face being like what did i do you know like and then that's the end of the episode and it's like yeah, it's pretty it's pretty bleak, but like it's very well done though. Like that part of it is anyway. Like Yeah. Uh, and again, it's a very like it's a good use of data as a character because he is like he is not emotional. He is just kind of like, you know, kind of sometimes doesn't fully appreciate the like kind of human feelings about things. Like he is just stating fact and yeah. truth and like that kind of makes it hit that much harder for her like he's not trying he's not like trying to hurt her but he's also not going to like lie to her to make her feel better yeah that yeah it is this is an episode of star trek that ends with like a unique entity being killed and then someone being like brutally honest with the person who did it yeah about what she did so yeah, it's um yeah, I think you're right. It's like this is a very good it wasn't like my favorite episode overall, but it's like a very good like use of of data where I think between like stuff like that, like stuff at the beginning where, you know, she's she's being rude to him and he basically is like, I'm not offended by you being rude. I can't be offended. So, you know, if you think you're being rude to me, like it's not really working. Like and and then also I just wrote I just wrote uh, one of my notes is just love to see Data tell a grieving mom her son was horny (laughs) because at one point she's asking him all these questions about like what he's what he wrote about in his journals. And he's talking about how he has there's like a woman he likes and he's you know, he finds her very physically attractive. Yeah, like. He, it, many of his letters like would f- focus on certain physical attributes and yeah like got, got like, a lot of good aspects of data how they kind of can use that got use him to to various effects so and a, a good guest star role or turn too from from ellen i thought she she was good yeah she did she did a good job with we have a little bit of time actually still so actually i, I if i wasn't going to talk about this because i thought we wouldn't maybe have more to say and if you still do let me know but i i wanted to the i wanted to ask you a question and i was I'll say, i asked you this question as a a man and so like you know i'm certainly if if a, if a woman out there disagrees like that's i think totally valid but i i wanted to ask you about that opening scene with Riker and the woman, because the first note I wrote is Riker hitting on people is not creepy to me. Why is that? And, and like, really? like, I don't know, like when he when he is like trying to like, you know, make a move on a woman, like I always am just kind of like, oh, you you charmer or whatever. Like, like it, and I asked him about it, too. And she said she kind of feels the same way. But like, I think that that there are other people in Star Trek, like Tom Paris, say, or or Tripper people who I think that they try to even like Kirk sometimes where like they try to do something similar. And it just it's still like a little bit like it feels a little bit more uh, pervy. And I, I was just yeah. trying to think about why that's I feel that good, way. Maybe, maybe yeah, you don't that's agree. that's a good question. I think, I mean, I think he kind of came a little close 
in this episode to being a little uncomfortable. Although I'm but pretty he's sure, into like, it though, you know, the that? woman is. Yeah, woman and I, I'm pretty sure from the, I don't know. I feel like the implication is that they actually have like they have kind of like had a relationship for like they've been in, working at this colony for a while and like like they've had like dinner in her tent before yeah because he like makes something about like desserts always my favorite you make such good desserts well, well yeah she says she says as you know i provide the most memorable desserts and then he says my yeah. favorite part of dinner yeah like they the the way they're kind of like going back and forth and, and i mean yeah like like she's sort of like yeah she is very much like this is not a hitting on and like that she she is participating for sure like this is definitely not like against consent Oh, yeah. I I think that's what it is for me is that like it always feels like I think this is just like a a good a good, you know, it's just a sign of of how good Frakes is in this role. But like you always just I feel like there's like this implicit idea with him that he definitely respects anyone who he's he's hitting on in in the show. Like where like, yeah, he never do anything that they wouldn't want. And, you know, like like he he really like he really like he's not being insincere, you know, like he's he's being he's 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 after something, but he's not being insincere about. Yeah. And I I wonder if that's that's maybe it is it's less that like he's creepy in it i think maybe what what it is for me is that like he just very much is a like like playboy like just yeah. the like he just kind of wherever he goes he like will have a like very like again f- meaningful and like consensual and like happy relationship with somebody but then like the next place he goes he's gonna do, you know he's gonna do the same thing yeah i think i wonder if there's some degree and i'd have to now i'll have to like kind of pay more attention to it in other episodes mm-hmm. and see if this is the case but i feel like i imagine like i feel like he may kind of just ramp it up more gradually as well mm-hmm. like he and kind of like the same as what you said like he'll start with sort of you know just kind of like making like little comment like something that's kind of relatively har- like complimentary but relatively harmless and like maybe a little bit of innuendo and then if he like if it is reciprocated we'll kind of you know keep ramping it up right mm-hmm. like he doesn't go straight into like dessert being his favorite part of the meal right yeah he just like you know like asks her like do you want to hang out tonight yeah there's not there's never like a scene where he's in like like in four days and four nights where like he's in a bar and they're talking <laughs> about like like a, an alien with three breasts or something you know what i mean like right yeah it's i don't know i don't know it's a credit to frakes i think yeah for and i mean just being frakes absolutely charming but definitely d- does the just like a little bit kind of oh shucks boy next door type charm mm-hmm. very well of just like he's got a great smile yeah yeah well that's all i had for this episode is there anything else you want to uh talk about Again, I think this is another one of those where, you know, there's not really like a B plot or anything to this episode. It's very much a kind of a character piece of the the primary players of the guest star and data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's like like you I think you you might have said, but like it's a it's not a like a great I wouldn't even say it's not great. It's not a like kind of like one of the best Star Trek episodes. It's a but it's a good it's yeah. a good some good Trek. You know, we we were talking off mic recently about how we feel like we both feel like we haven't had like a a real banger of a episode to talk about uh, for a while. So yeah, you know, I think the last time we we both agreed probably the last really really good one was Half a Life, which was episode fifty two, I believe. And we're, right now this is episode sixty one. And so yeah. you know, for us that's that's like what four or five months. Like uh, so yeah. that's that's a while. And this one I think is kind of similar to I would say stuff like. Well, for me, judgment or or like the Nagus or or, or that kind of thing, where it's like, oh yeah, this was this was solid, you know, solid stuff. Yeah, a good 
you know, weekly television series that like this is a good episode of. This is yeah, I think like. But but so I'm excited to talk about our next the uh, next time our next episode because I think we, well a I think we're going to have a somewhat of a disagreement about how we feel about it. But but I personally think this is a a very good episode we have coming up on my favorite one and probably since uh, Half a Life. Um, so we come out every every other week and so in a couple of Sundays we are going to be talking about By Inferno's Light, which is DS9 season five episode. 15. It's one of those weird DS9 episodes they did a few times where it would say part two, but the first episode would be called like part one would be called something different. Something so different. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So season five, episode 15 by Inferno's Light, uh, D Space Nine. So that's what we're going to be doing in a couple weeks. You know, in the meantime, you can listen to our sister shows on our Kaleidoscope Media Network that we're in. There's Here's Johnny, which is a horror media podcast. There is That's Not How Science Works, which we just did a crossover episode with recently. They are a science pop culture podcast. And then there's Wizard Studies, which is a Harry Potter podcast. Uh, you know, for us, you can follow us on Twitter at Contracts. You can follow us on YouTube at Out of Contracts. You can and email us at outofcontracts at gmail.com or you can visit our website at outofcontracts.podbean.com. Contracts is spelled C-O-N-T-R-E-K-S. And yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Thanks everybody. Bye.